Hello and welcome back to the Agnes London podcast. In this week's episode, I'm chatting to Megan from Restore, a zero waste shop in the Hackney Downs studios. With zero waste shops popping up all over the UK, I really wanted to talk to Megan about her experience of setting up a zero waste shop and the response she's had from customers in her local area. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it. And if you're in Hackney, pop by and see Megan's store. Thank you very much, Megan, for agreeing to come on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And telling us a little bit about your story. Um, So first of all, I was just wondering whether the zero waste lifestyle came first for you or whether you were kind of looking to change what you were doing or how how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so it probably was um, kind of a plastic free lifestyle that that kicked things off. So the beginning of 2018, um, I'd... You know, obviously seen Blue Planet and started reading the things that were coming into the media about plastic and, and pollution. Um, and I was working in a corporate job, so I used to work in consulting um, and just made a New Year's resolution. I'm going to take single-use plastic out of my life, thinking that that would be quite a simple step and then realise how difficult it is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, and it being in that kind of corporate office environment, we were actually surrounded by it. So it's, you know, working in a big office with lots of people, everybody's getting coffee cups with the plastic lids and the bad cups um you've got salad a box of salad you've got the little pot of the dressing you've got the plastic fork and actually suddenly you realize that um it is it is completely surrounding us so so I was doing this new year's resolution and getting a little overwhelmed by how much plastic there was everywhere and and really seeing it it's one of those things that once you see something you can't unsee it Mm -hmm. so I definitely had that um, and then also being quite inspired and excited by the alternative. So I, you know, found a, a natural deodorant in a glass jar and it worked and I thought that was great. And then found a toothpaste in a glass jar and it was kind of all those gradual swaps. So that was the first sort of few months of 2018. And then at the same time, I was kind of feeling a little bit kind of disengaged with the corporate life and, and maybe wanting to do something different. And I had had in my head, you know, oh, I'd love to own my own business, but never really kind of knew what that idea was going to be or or what mm-hmm. that kind of looked like, but just kind of as an abstract idea. Mm-hmm. So um, sort of July last year, I just started writing a writing the business plan for a, a zero waste shop. So I'd been to the two that were in London at the time. So there were only two back that time last yeah. year, which is the growth has been yeah, really fast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I went to a couple of shops and spoke to the owners and they gave me loads of advice and were really helpful, which is really great. Um, I think it's there's very much the culture of paying it forward in this industry. I don't know if mm-hmm. you found that as well, yeah, like people definitely. are willing to help you and then you then help the next kind of wave of people coming through, yeah. which is really lovely. So yeah, so I had some some kind of advice from them. Got cracking writing a business plan and, and to be honest, it probably all happened a little bit faster than I had planned because I found this space so I was looking at shop um, shop locations actually in northwest London where I was living at the time and just through a random series of googling I'm not really sure how found Hackney Down Studios there was a free shop I came to view it they loved the idea and it all kind of snowballed from there Um, yeah I've definitely found that within the industry like everyone is so supportive Mm. and even if like kind of what you're doing is similar it's not like seen too much as competition like people are quite happy to help you exactly Um, and I kind of think the more people there are the more zero waste shops there will be the more people shopping zero waste so that is only gonna kind of help everyone isn't it yeah it's almost like if you looked at 
competition in the traditional sense and in inverted commas actually the more competition in this kind of industry is going to actually help everyone because then like you said yeah the size of the market can grow people get used to shopping in this way they're prepared they've got things in their backpack so they can always kind mm-hmm. of you know like a jar and a pot and a bag and they can always pick up what they need so it's and it's also just that education piece as well understanding how it all works and and swapping those things out in your life so that if you do use natural products you will just look for places that stock them so actually mm-hmm. if there's more of those then people will people will kind of get more into shopping in this way yeah definitely so on the podcast before a lot of my guests have talked about doing a test before they started running with their idea um like a smaller version I was wondering if you did anything like that before you jumped into having the shop not really because I did do so I did two market days but they were once when I had already signed up to take the shop and I was just sort of waiting for the previous tenant to leave so there was yeah there was kind of it did come into my head that maybe I I should have done a, a small test, but it kind of did, like I said, because I found the space, it just kind of snowballed. When I was still looking for the right shop location, I was kind of toying with different ideas of how to get started if I can't find the perfect physical space. And those did range from, you know, market stalls to maybe doing small local deliveries, that kind of thing. But actually just because of circumstance, it ended up being just kind of feet first. <laughs> That's good. Looks like it worked out though. <laughs> yeah. Shop. Um, so, what was the biggest challenge about opening the shop? Do you think it was, I guess, the starting kind of any project when you have no experience is always tricky. So, it was kind of just knowing what that list of everything that I needed to do was. Mm-hmm. Like I said, luckily I had a couple of people who were helping me from existing shops. Um, and you know, tried to get as much help as I could from from people who sort of knew knew that kind of thing. Plus, it's the you know the supply base, like who are the main suppliers, things like that. So that kind of information I had been had been given, which was great. Um, but yeah, it was kind of the overwhelming volume of of things to do. So the the list was just so long. Um, and then in terms of I guess like hurdles along the way, when I did. Find, originally find this space then the current tenant decided to stay so then I was back to trying to think of other alternatives um so that was a, a bit of a hurdle but it worked out well in the end because then you know the previous tenant did decide to leave obviously and and I got the space so it wasn't actually that it took that long like you do hear of stories of you know issues with leases and lawyers and all of that kind of thing and actually then people are waiting like a year to go into their shop so in terms of timeline it was really really fast for me um because I just pay a, a contract here rather than having a lease so um it wasn't that wasn't too bad but yeah in terms of kind of challenges it's just like the kind of overwhelming volume and just not really knowing if you're doing something right because you have nothing to compare it to from yeah. anything previous you know in a job that you've been doing for a few years you can say well I know I'm maybe not doing this project as well as the last one or this task as well as the last one it's just completely new which is exciting because mm. you're not really going to kind of have ever had that experience before so it's all new um but yeah that is it's quite it's quite a challenge yeah definitely yeah it sounds like this was very different to what you were doing before yeah it's very different yeah um and so obviously now you're based in Hackney Studios um Hackney Down Studios yeah. I think yeah um what have you found the reaction has been to having a store here from the general public I've been 
I'm lucky to have a shop in this area. I think Hackney as a as a borough is, you know, already from both kind of sides already used to shopping a little bit more sustainably and they are kind of up to up to speed on the you know the education about kind of plastics and waste and they want to shop this way and then also the other side of things is is shopping locally so many of my customers even before I came along they already were going you know to the farmer's market to get the vegetables and maybe to a local greengrocer to get some vegetables they couldn't get you know, from the farmer's market and then they would go to a local store to get dry goods. So people do love giving their, you know, spending their hard-earned pounds with people who, you know, care care about the environment, but also just small businesses, like that whole kind of shop local and support small um, is very much an ethos of around here. I think it would be, and I know people around London are doing it and they're doing a great job, mm. opening a zero-waste shop where the local kind of um, shopping habit is to go to the big supermarket, you've got a much bigger challenge on your hands. Yeah. So um, for me, the, the biggest challenge, to be honest, is just getting to p- people to know that I'm here. Mm. Um, actually, the type of people that live around here are very much willing and excited to shop in a shop like this. They just need to find you first. So it's a little bit tucked away. So just um, that's that's really the main challenge rather than people coming in and saying, what is this? And I'm having to really convince them, you know, when yeah. people come in there, oh, yes, I've been looking for a shop like this or, you know, oh, I've been trying to find you and I found you. Um, you know, a few people don't really know what it is and you have to explain it. But more often than not, it's just getting them through the door. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, that's a good sign. That it's a really are good sign. In and, yeah, and knowing what to do, and you yeah. don't kind of have to walk them through the. Well, you bring something, you mm. weigh it, and then you buy stuff. Yeah, so that's really good. Um, the people that come in that don't um know what it is, or they don't are not so familiar with it. What have you found are like the most common barriers for people um to shop this way? I think the common ones are preparation so not coming prepared with something obviously you know we can combat that so in the in the store I do have like a container amnesty so it's cleaned containers that people can take for free or I have a few jars that people can buy really inexpensively Um, I do have paper bags as well though I did a post about this yesterday that that. (laughs) what I you know want to avoid is someone coming in and they're doing a decent size shop in here to so say 20 different items and then yeah. a new like you know well that's not virgin paper because they are recycled but a new paper bag for every item um you know and then doing that every week then you're going to be using a lot of paper bags but they I do still have them because I think there's some items say the spices or the sweets or something where actually if you're just popping in getting a bag of those then that's fine um mm-hmm. but what I've been recommending is just to to reuse those bags rather than just pop them straight in the recycling cause then it just gives them a bit of a longer life so so yes there's preparation although like I said we can combat that with the uh, containers I have available in the shop um I think the second is time it does take a little bit longer um and if you have been going from saying getting an Ocado delivery to having to go out to a zero waste shop with all your jars fill them up bring them home that's a significant different kind of effort uh, mm-hmm. level that you have to put in um but what has been really lovely to see is people coming despite those kind of challenges so you've yeah. got busy parents on the way back from the school run with prams full of kids and they're you know loading up with all their with all their um items so it's it, you know people are willing to overcome the challenges and obviously as we kind of go forward there'll be um ways to make it even more convenient and easy for people obviously in these earlier stages there's going to be a bit more of the kind of 
um you know teasing out some of the the initial kind of issues so yeah yeah definitely I think being prepared is kind of a tricky one because even though like I make grocery bags and normally have a stash Mm. in my bag I can still go to a great to a shop like this and end up not having enough with me so have to you know pick up a paper bag or things like that and obviously like not many of us want to carry a selection of jars around with us all day just in case we find something to fill them up with exactly yeah um and so obviously you have a really wide range of stuff in here um did you find sourcing it was quite easy I know you said you had um feedback from other shop owners um but do you find did you kind of find a lot of challenges as to whether you went for like organic or British grown Mm. or what was your kind of the bar that you wanted to everything to reach yeah that was actually a bit challenging in the initial setup stage was I actually kind of flipped around quite a bit in terms of what my prioritization was so whether it was organic or whether it was British um, what I've kind of gone with is a bit of a blend so it's I would say about 80% organic Mm -hmm. Um, and then where there is an where there is an option to have a more locally sourced version of an item so for example when I was first getting pumpkin seeds the supplier that I was using they came from China and then I found that another wholesaler um, does Austrian ones so obviously just switched to those so it's just you know where I had some items that were maybe from far further away is just kind of keep checking to see where there's alternatives um, and then bring that closer and then there's some really great examples like um, the supplier called Hobma Dodds that do British grown quinoa and chia seeds and things like that which is great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't other than just my own kind of flip-flopping between what I thought was important and trying to balance all of those important things because you'll have customers come in and they'll only want they'll only buy the organic items mm-hmm. or you'll have some organic items and then people will challenge where it came from, but actually maybe the one that was closer to home is not organic. So it's just that, you know, push and pull. But like I said, I've tried to find a balance. Um, but in terms of actually finding suppliers, it wasn't too tricky. So like I said, had a bit of advice just on who the sort of main wholesalers are in this kind of area. Um, and then a few good kind of other local suppliers. And then it's just a case of finding things local to here, um, doing a little bit of research. People sort of contact me and then maybe I'd talk to them about whether it's a, a good fit. So actually, I've got quite a few different suppliers because it's worked out that um, you know they have a, a better product or it's a more local product it's nice to have you know like the kombuchas brewed in Hackney Wick it's a nice story that it's in the shop right down the road mm-hmm. you know people do like especially actually I think people from Hackney there's that whole kind of local community aspect like people do like to see local products yeah there definitely seems to be a lot of that in Hackney yeah a lot of like kind of supporting Hackney locals mm. and um, like things that have been grown or made yeah. in Hackney. So do you find people um, question you about, are people kind of interested in where it's come from? Or do you find people get, you get a lot of questions from people kind of about the story behind their products or mm. do most people take it at face value? I would say there's a proportion of people who do who do care. I've, got, I've had a couple of customers come in who will sort of query the country of or- origin of every product and so it's easy to have a thought where the gravity dispensers are where every product is from on some of the smaller jars it's harder to get that information across so yeah so some people do query it obviously if it's not kind of right in front of right in front of them I think 
I have on all of the products, whether they're organic or not. And that seems to be more of more of the question. So that kind of is answered for people just by looking at the container. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, some people do, some people do ask. I have on the quinoa and the um, chia seeds that it is British grown because actually quinoa was a big contentious item in terms of the people just thought if you saw quinoa that they got it from Bolivia and therefore it's unsustainable. So sometimes yeah. it's important to put that on there just to make sure people know that you haven't gone with the kind of unsustainable item. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, people are people are interested in, and especially if it has a story, then it's really nice. You know, I have the RT vegan um, tofu and, and vegan cheeses. And so people will ask about it and then I'll say, oh, they make it, you know, just across the road there in Hackney. And then it's, oh, you know, it, it adds another element to it. Mm. So people are people are interested in that. Yeah, that was really good. It's really good to hear that people are kind of having that conversation about where that food comes mm. from. Because um, I do feel like a lot of the time we're quite disconnected Definitely. from where our food comes from, where it's grown. And it's not always like what we would think it is. Um and even like I know I've been into the supermarket and been like, oh, let's let's see how much of like our shop is actually British grown. And it's such a small mm. amount, depending on the time of year. Exactly. Yeah. Um, have you found that your wholesalers are quite aware of what you're doing? Like, do they kind of, are most of them already on that kind of plastic free, like sustainable packaging? Mm. Or have you had to try and educate a lot of them? So with the larger food wholesalers, they now have more and more zero waste shops that they're supplying. So they're very much aware of the demands of those those customers for them. Um, and so when I first started messaging them, like I said, you know, there were two stores in London, maybe sort of a handful across the UK, started messaging them questions about packaging and they sort of, the answers were, oh, well, we're looking at it. We, we're getting more and more questions all the time. So now it's, you know, very much um, more of an established type of retailer, I suppose. They are used to it and they are they are looking at it. But I think it's just down to us to sort of keep asking those questions. There are some suppliers that off the back of the kind of demands or the, or the wishes of these kind of shops actually have created a very sustainable supply chain anyway so like the fill products which are um fulfilled by or the logistics is supplied by planet minimal where it's like electric van and um, the laundry liquid is pumped from a petrol pump straight into my container so i never get a new one so you're never mm-hmm. putting new you know, plastic into the into the um, waste chain so it's a closed loop system Um, yeah and there's a few others like that like I get my granola just delivered and coffee beans actually in you know like a reusable plastic tub Mm. and then when once I get the next one I send them back the dirty one and that's just another closed loop one so and that was you know for both of those actually it was born out of me just saying oh well do you think you could you know both kind of small suppliers do you think you could do this in a reusable tub and they both said yes so um, I think a lot of companies who their main their main focus isn't zero waste or waste you know they are a product business mm. they also will especially now be wanting to find ways to make it more sustainable and actually for a zero waste shop to come along and ask a question or come up with an idea of how they could do it actually usually they're quite grateful of that and they're quite happy to do it because it's you know solved a waste issue for them as well because yeah. a lot of people are, you know, they're producing their product and they're doing that in the sustainable sustainable way. But the packaging side of things is really tricky. Like I know from talking to them that 
it's a it's quite a minefield and to know which kind of packaging to to take and so if you have a couple of customers who are happy just to take a tub then that kind of reduces the headache a little bit for you mm. as a as a producer I suppose yeah definitely and hopefully having those conversations with you that will make them think more about sustainability and all their other practices yeah. and hopefully become more sustainable overall exactly yeah so before you started this you had um started to live a plastic free lifestyle um and you mentioned deodorants and toothpaste and things like that which can be a tricky swap for most people to make it can be challenging to find the one you like so when it came to stocking them in store did you just go with brands that you tried and tested yourself yeah i think it's in I find it important to be able to talk about the products that they've got in store. So now that it's a bit bigger and I've got a few more things, there's not, I don't necessarily use every single item that I do sell in store, but I have, I do use most of them. So the shampoo bars, you know, things where people have had tricky experiences, people, you know, using shampoo bars and then they look like they've washed their hair in chip fat or whatever, <laughs> you know, you're <laughs> never get, you're going to be pretty scarred from that experience. So to have someone say, this shampoo bar works, I use it and I've used it for however long. That's quite important for people and it does mm-hmm. it does make a difference. I can I definitely have conversations with people where if I if I had said, Oh actually I don't use those but I've heard they're good, I just don't think they would have bought them. So yeah, so for the most part, shampoo bars, deodorant, toothpaste, all the ones that I use. Um, you know, as I get bigger, I can stock more, especially if I have customers and and potentially kind of other, um, you know, people saying you know, this is tried and tested, but by other people, um, then then I could kind of expand the range. But just initially starting out, if I can get behind a product and say that it actually works, then I can feel confident to sell it to someone. And obviously everyone's different but for example like the Fitbit deodorant I've only had positive feedback and it worked for me as well so um so I can feel confident about that because you never want to someone to be unhappy with a product so the more confident you can feel in it then obviously the better and you don't want it to be like you don't want for example someone's first swap to be a shampoo bar and then have to have have an awful experience and be like all all natural sustainable swaps they're just not for me Mm -hmm. you want it to go as smoothly as possible exactly because I think that is an easy an easy out for people not that I'm saying that everybody's looking for an out but if you used a deodorant and you stunk the house out then and you didn't want to do any other sustainable swaps then it's a real shame because there's so many great products out there and that is what's really exciting about this space is that people are just creating amazing products from natural natural ingredients it's Mm. just yeah it's it's really exciting yeah definitely there's a lot of exciting brands out there so what are you so how long have you been open now Eight months now. Eight months. Yeah. Wow. Just that's, coming up to eight it's months. It's really not long. No. Um, what are you? Do you, are you hoping for in the future for Restore? So at the moment, I'm working on um, how to get deliveries out to people. So both from the individual item side, which is a little bit easier. So you know, shampoo bars, toothbrushes, those kind of things, and then also kind of as a slightly separate mini project looking at how to get the bulk food items out to people so I think in terms of kind of prioritization for me because some people say like would you open another branch next or whatever um I think the delivery side of the business would be would be great to nail because then you can a reach a market of people who have wanted to come in in the eight months that I've been open but haven't been able to for a variety of different reasons you know accessibility time whatever Um, and then also there's the people that would still come into the shop for their occasional um, getting a few bits but actually if they want to get 
a big bulk delivery. If you're going five litres of laundry liquid and three kilograms of oats, you know, some people do get these large amounts and then they just haul them back. So it's just kind of really upping that convenience because at the moment where the sustainable option is losing out in a lot of people's minds is when convenience is overtaken. So you've had a busy day of work and maybe you've missed the time to go to the zero waste shop and so then you get a delivery or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So um, so I think kind of ticking that convenience box is the next big challenge. It's, it's, it's really tricky. We haven't quite worked out exactly how it's all going to work yet. But um, but yes, that's kind of the next, the next focus for me. Mm. Yeah, I think things have to be as convenient as possible for people to be able to get on board with them. Absolutely. So are there any products that you don't have in store that you wish you had? I don't have any um, frozen items, which I think is quite a cool thing where you can, because I haven't actually made so many recently because of this challenge, but I used to make a lot of smoothies and having like that pick and mix frozen fruit mm. idea, that's, that I think is really great. Um, and then more makeup. So I've got mascara cake at the moment. Um, but no other no other makeup and I think just because it's such a an industry that uses so much plastic and it's pretty wasteful Mm. that would be a good thing to have in store and get people converting onto the more sustainable makeup yeah yeah definitely yeah smoothies is a big one for me Mm. because I used to love having a smoothie every morning but I just can't justify either buying the the packets of fruit or the bags of frozen fruit yeah um so that actually leads me on to another question that I wanted to ask you. Um, so obviously Waitrose have recently done the trial with the um, unpackaged and I think it was a success. I think it was going to roll, they're going to roll it out to more of their stores. Um, do you see that as a good thing or a bad thing for your your kind of stores? I see it as a good thing. I get asked this a bit and I think people some people do expect me to say or you know small shop owners to say that it would be a bad thing because it's sort of threatening the the, you know the small business that's doing the same thing I think it's a good thing and two kind of reasons around that so the first obviously is that the reason why people open shops like this well this is the reason I have I think for the most part this is true is that we want to help save the planet so Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of waste we want to help reduce that so there's a there's a higher goal that's bigger than kind of us as an individual yeah Um, and it will take it is going to take the large supermarkets doing this to make any sizable difference obviously it's it's great to sort of start the movement and and it's kind of like been a bit of a grassroots movement from from the small businesses up um, but we do need the big players because so much waste is produced in these huge so- supermarkets and so many people still shop at them. Mm-hmm. They need to be making these changes to reduce waste and, and help people shop more sustainably. So I think, A, in order to achieve the higher goal, which we're all aiming towards, then it has to happen. Yeah. But then also I do think that, you know, there's, especially like I said before about people shop, um, in Hackney shopping locally, I think there's always a place for small businesses. So I would suspect that a lot of these small shops would would continue to exist even if the big supermarkets all, you know, changed their ways and went completely package free, which would be, you know, the dream scenario. <laughs> but how many years are we yes. down the line? Are we looking even if that was to happen? Um, I still think a, a lot of these businesses would survive because people like to shop. They like to know their shop owners and they like to shop locally. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of that said, if it did put 
this job out of business, put this business, you know, um, then then I would go and on and do something else. You know, there's there'll, there's other kind of challenges and you know areas to 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 look at. So um, yeah, I would just I would just go and do something else at that stage. But I don't think that's anything that we need to be thinking about really even within the next couple of years. Obviously, I would love it to be, but it's it's kind of slow movement with these big companies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, even like having visited that one store and then gone to some of their others, like there's easy things that they've implemented in that store that they could have easily rolled out to other stores, like their berries in cardboard packaging, for example, and they just haven't done it. Mm. Um, so although it's a, it's a great start, I think they have, like you say, got a long way to go. Yeah. Um, and Jack, you you will always get customers that want to shop small, want to support local businesses. Um, you probably have a much wider, wider range of organic and like UK grown produce than the bigger supermarkets do. Because I think the waitress one, I think it was just like their normal kind of basic range or whatever it was, just not in packaging. Mm. So, yeah it's, it's it's a it's a long road ahead it's very promising and it is great news to hear that it's going well and they're wanting to roll it out further but if you just think about say how many tesco stores there are and you know it's just it's an overwhelming <laughs> overwhelming number but promising to see it going that way and, and nice to see that you know supermarket shoppers can also shop in this way because you know, especially at the moment with not that many there's not everyone has access to their local zero waste shop so mm. for a supermarket to do it then obviously it completely increases accessibility to that yeah definitely um so that is also another thing that I think is always a consideration is um obviously like you said a lot of there's a lot of things around Hackney um there's very much the kind of the space for brands and businesses like yours within Hackney um, and I do find a lot that London is very much a hub for sustainability and like sustainable events and sustainable shops like yours and I know that is a challenge for some people that live out in smaller towns and different cities that they don't have access to um, shopping like yours so I wanted to ask you what your advice for those people would be and um, if you were to roll out some kind of delivery service whether you would be looking to serve the wider country or just kind of your local community at the moment so i'd say first is to have a look to see where your local um zero waste shop is so there's a there's a big facebook group of all the zero waste shop owners in the uk and there's actually a lot more uk wide than i think people would think so you might actually have one closer to you than you know so mm. first of all just do a little bit of research see if there is one obviously there's still going to be people that there aren't so i would recommend using um an online sustainable plastic free um delivery service for kind of products so there's a few websites where you can buy sort of bamboo toothbrushes and and sort of sustainable items things like that so i would get online and get yourself a few things that that you need and start to swap out you know like we talked about deodorant toothpaste whatever it is um and sort of take it you know if if this is the first step sort of take it slowly just take a couple of products at a time you know, don't feel too overwhelmed at having to overhaul everything overnight. So, you know, maybe you focus on, you know, the bathroom and and uh, do the do the bathroom first, and then maybe think about other areas and and get some kind of bags for zero waste shopping and that kind of thing. Um, and then in terms of kind of the deliveries from here, 
so yeah eventually that would that would be great we'll obviously start with very local and and expand out but um particularly the individual items like the shampoo bars and toothbrushes and things like that um they can be they'll be mailed out anyway so that that will be available to anyone mm-hmm. um the food the bulk food delivery will take a little bit longer to work its way out but we're, we're working on it yeah good good tips um I'm sure you get asked this so much but I just wanted to ask you how you think um shopping in your shop compares cost-wise for customers than um other alternatives so I made a conscious effort to price match it to sort of a Sainsbury's or thereabouts level so in some cases that's not possible to do so the basic I mean it is an organic white pasta actually but an organic white pasta would be cheaper in a in a sort of Sainsbury's Waitrose than it would be here but actually most items are the same if not less so um, I did a talk actually for the residents of Hackney Down Studios last week just got a few items quite basics like lentils a few spices um, some rice and then I did the price comparison to um, Sainsbury's and actually it was 10, 10p cheaper here um, so yeah so if you get the kind of basic items obviously I have what I think of as more premium items so I've got you know very nice granola I've got some uh, raw chocolate raisins that if you bought like 500 grams of those that's going to set you back quite a bit um, <laughs> but if you were just you know making like a simple dal or you know just the kind of basic food for the week actually you're not going to spend any more than you would in the supermarket and you know nuts and dried fruit exactly the same kind of price and then you can really save a lot of money with the herbs and spices so we actually pay quite a lot in supermarkets for for spices and herbs I think because you're always paying for kind of a small quite sturdy package yeah those you know those pots um so yeah actually some some of them are up to kind of 50 percent cheaper here and what's great about it as well is that for from a cooking perspective if you just need a couple of teaspoons of a spice for a recipe and you wouldn't use that spice again very frequently you don't need to kind of waste money you know it's a pound something to maybe get the pot in in a supermarket you can just spend you know 20p on a couple of teaspoons of a spice for a recipe so because you can just you just pay by the weight so you can get as much or as little as you like you can actually control your spending a lot easier so if you're on a tight budget for and you you know work week to week with your um with your budget then you can just get you know the amount of rice or lentils or whatever it is that you need for the week rather than any any more than that yeah that's really good to hear i feel like a lot of times um cost is definitely a big barrier for Mm. people some if so it feels like kind of on the face of it like living a more sustainable lifestyle or going vegan or cutting down on whatever your meat some people um say that they think that is more expensive but actually um you you don't have to buy everything all at once like you said before and um it's you know obviously being able to buy just what you need is really good as well because like you say you don't end up with a big old tub of turmeric that you're never going to use exactly exactly yeah so it gives you it gives you kind of the control back to the customer as well just to yeah, just to get just to get what you need, and, and so what people tend to do the pattern is kind of the first time they come in, they might get a small amount of a few things, and I get the comments so much, oh, this is so much cheaper than I was expecting. I, mean, I think I would I would say that I get it multiple times a day from new customers coming in, then they come back and they can feel a bit more confident to to fill up. So yeah, I do think that people have been pleasantly surprised with the pricing, and it's just promising to see that 
you know, we have people from all walks of life being able to able to shop in here, which is the point as well, because I really do want to make it accessible because we're only going to change on a mass scale if it's not, you know, some elitist thing to be able to shop yeah. sustainably. It's for everyone. Yeah, definitely. And in a way, it kind of doesn't make sense that you pay less for stuff that comes in packaging because mm. the packaging has a cost. Exactly. So it doesn't, yeah. Which can be the challenge sometimes because when something is a little bit more expensive, because we've been so used to shopping in supermarkets, we've just kind of become a bit disconnected with what the true cost of food is. Because if it is if it is so cheap, somewhere along the chain, someone is paying for that in a, yeah. as in, in the negative sense of the word. It's the same with fashion. Like if, it, yeah, if you're able to buy a five pound t-shirt, that's because, you know, a worker is being exploited or someone's not being paid correctly. So it's the same, it's the same with food. And, and obviously then, you know, supermarket, supermarkets having kind of such huge buying power in terms of volume as well. So even though I have kind of tried to make an effort to price match to make it accessible, I do think there's a point about just kind of reconnecting with what the true cost of food is and just being willing to spend a little bit more sometimes on food to make sure that it's better quality and people aren't being exploited in order for for us to to consume that food yeah yeah that's such a good point about fashion as well I think definitely with food and with fashion we need to not ask ourselves why something's so expensive we need to be asking ourselves why things are so cheap and why we're so conditioned to think that you know we want to be able to get it for 50p Mm. or a t-shirt for five pounds Mm. So. Yes, it is an important point that is also then connected with the sustainability factor of it that, you know, we should just be buying, you know, from a clothes perspective, a few pieces a year that have been really well made with great materials. And, you know, the that's the you know, problem with, with fast fashion, obviously, is just the resources to, con- to, you know, consume to produce it, but then also that the treatment of the people that are making it is... Yeah. Is, is not a, a good standard so yeah I think it's it's actually a, you know a whole kind of rounded thought on on sustainability in terms of just reconnecting with just yeah the true cost of of what it takes to produce these items yeah yeah definitely I think the more you start like learning about sustainability and embarking on the stable sustainable lifestyle um you realize that there's so many other elements that come into play with it it's not just that you want your pasta not in packaging you want your pasta to have been you know you want the workers that grew your pasta to have been paid fairly and Mm -hmm. you know worked in good conditions and that's the same with like clothing with makeup with your household products Mm -hmm. it's you can't really just focus on one thing can you no, you, you you start with one door and then you open all these other doors and it's a whole holistic approach to sustainable living, um, which I think can overwhelm people sometimes. But again, what I'd say about that is just try and focus on one thing at a time um, just to get started. And actually those other things will fall into place. So mine did start with plastic and packaging. And once you start caring about your impact on the environment from that perspective, you'll then look at other places in your life. And then I did move on to fashion and, and going and shopping in more of a, you know, shopping pre-loved items instead of getting new clothes. And I basically just don't buy anything new anymore. And you really don't need to when you start actually thinking in this way. So yeah, it's just kind of moving through the different areas as you, as you go. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning, I asked you what the challenges you'd had um, setting up the store 
And now I was wondering what the most enjoyable part or the most rewarding part of it has been for you in the last eight months and before that. Mm. I think sort of day to day, it's, and from the beginning, it's been so rewarding just having people so excited to be able to shop like this. And, you know, it's a it's a common conversation where people will come in and do their shop and they'll sort of almost thank you for existing which is just (laughs) nothing that would have happened in any other job that I've had um so it's really it's been really rewarding that people are just so pleased to have this kind of shop here and 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 great to see someone on a journey as well when a a particular customer will come in and they've come into a zero waste shop for the first time and then over the weeks and months you see them you know coming in really prepared with all of their containers and getting more adding more and more items to their list every time they come um, so that's that's really rewarding. And then I guess in terms of kind of just over the last few months is just seeing it grow. I've got a good base of regular customers, um, but new people coming in all the time, which is really promising. And and I think that, you know, there's always going to be a risk with when there's a lot of attention from the media on certain topics that it's going to be yesterday's news and then there'll be something else. But what's mm. great is that it's just you know, everybody is really switched on to this now. It's definitely not a kind of fad for people. Um, And yeah, so it's definitely, it's definitely been really rewarding just to see the size of the market almost growing. Yeah, that's really good. Um, So you may have already answered this question in that last answer, (laughs) but at the end of every episode, I ask my guests what is, what they've read or seen recently that's left them feeling positive and uplifted about the future. So where we are at the moment in early October, um, it's not been long since the the climate strike. So the uh, student student um, climate network strike um, for the government to sort of take action um, for this climate emergency. So I went along to that um, end of September, the first Friday. It was just really, I mean, it was quite, there were some kind of messages and stories that were scary and I learned new things that day mm. so you know you think being in a in a job I guess like this or being in this industry not that you at all know everything but that you kind of have a good handle on the issues but yeah there's just so many layers and it just is affecting so many different um areas of the world people so that was quite overwhelming but it was really inspiring to see that you know a load of 17 year olds even younger a little bit older just going out and really kind of fighting for what they care about and you just think especially at that kind of teenage age I know back when I was that age I was not out striking for the climate so (laughs) I've just found it really really inspiring and you know did fill me with hope because you think if obviously people are caring at, at that age and and caring so publicly there's a difference between kind of just being concerned about something but going out and really fighting and sending a message then um I, you know it does that does give me hope yeah I went on to that one as well yeah, it was good yeah. wasn't it yeah I left feeling very kind of happy mm. in a way um yeah and it was great to see I thought so many parents taking their children out and like taking like a group of children with them yeah I was like I think I'd be really nervous if I had to do that <laughs> yeah. It was really good to see. Yeah. So where can people find you? How can they support you and your shop? So um, 
most kind of active is Instagram, which is probably, you probably hear a lot now. So it's restore.refill on Instagram. Um, you can check out my website as well. I've got my list of products on there, which can be helpful for people before they come so they know what kind of containers. So that's restorerefill.co.uk. Um, and then if you want to pop in and, and see me in person, then I'm at Hackney Down Studios, um, which is um, North Hackney and on Amherst Terrace. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and share the episode or leave us a review to help other people find my podcast. You can also find out more about Agnes London at agneslondon.com or on social media, just at Agnes London. Thank you. See you next week.